Welcome to the Teen Life Coach Podcast. I'm Coach Sammy, and I am so glad you are here. The teen years can be fun and exciting, but also filled with self-doubt, insecurities, and lots of frustration. I am here to help you along your teen journey and make sure you enjoy your teen years as much as possible. Let's get started. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the podcast today. I have Crystal, the parenting coach on the podcast, and I actually wanted to do this episode for parents. Um, if you're a teen, that doesn't mean you can't be listening. Also, this actually might be helpful if you're a teen, but I wanted to do a podcast episode for parents on how to connect better with their teens, because it is a little, I would not a little bit, it's a lot harder. It seems like when our kids become teens to connect with them. And so Crystal, the parenting coach is on here today, and she's going to talk to us about connecting with our teens and Crystal go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell the audience, the parents, the teens, what you're about. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Sammy. Um, so Sammy and I know each other in real life where we both certified the life coach school and, um, I love what she does and I love, um, that I get to help parents of teens. It's awesome. And yeah, past roommates and past roommates. <laughs> we shared a hotel room. That's how we met. It was awesome. <laughs> And, um, I love, I help parents of all ages of or, or parents with kids of all ages, I should say. And a lot of my clients have kids that are neurodivergent, which means they are diagnosed with things like maybe ADHD or ASD, which is like autism spectrum disorder, um, ODD, things like that. Um, but I help all parents and the kind of my kind of angle on it, I guess, or my take on it is that I teach connection-based parenting. There's a lot of different names going around like conscious parenting, positive parenting, intentional parenting. Um, everyone kind of has like a slightly different slant, but it's all based in, in connection and based in attachment, um, instead of like more of the coercion and force and traditional parenting tactics that we were usually parented with and our parents were parented with, and we kind of have as our go-to. So that's what I help people with. And my kind of why behind that is that I had a child with, um, several diagnoses. And at the time we didn't know that. And I really, really struggled to parent him like hugely. And I knew that I wanted to parent in a more connection-based way. And I'd read a lot of books. I'd been studying it for a long time. I loved reading parenting books. I loved reading psychology books. So I kind of had myself fairly high on this pedestal of like, this is what I want to do. And I was like continuously failing at it. Um, and I think what the biggest shift that happened for me was noticing how my behavior and my response to things was affecting his behavior and how I really had a huge role to play in this relationship. And I had been focusing more on him. How can I change him? Why is he doing the way the things that he's doing and how can I get him to change at the time? He wasn't a teen. He was a tween, but, um, over the years, as we started to kind of change these things and really just me, like me focusing on me and also me focusing more on my relationship with him, things really started to change. And he used to have some pretty significant meltdowns and they started to decrease and decrease and decrease. And over time, they kind of just went away and his ability to regulate himself, like his emotional self-regulation skills went way up and his confidence levels went up just like everything. And as he started to change, I thought, this is like miraculous, like the changes that were happening with him. And it was because I stopped trying to change him. So fast forward. Now I have a few teens. I have four kids. My youngest is six and my oldest will be 16 in a few weeks. My teens are amazing. Like I don't struggle to connect with them at all. We have 
an amazing relationship. I love spending time with them. We're, we're very open. We have a great communication, but it all started with focusing more on connection than it did on what I call behavior modification. I think that's the biggest switch is focusing on connection more than behavior modification. So that's kind of my super long story in a nutshell. Which is so interesting because a lot of my coaching is based on how to modify certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like that works really well with anxiety. I think that's why behavior modification is so important when it comes to like anxiety and exposures and teaching kids how to overcome anxiety and rewiring the brain around anxiety. I'm so excited to learn from you today because mm-hmm. yours is totally different. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love, I do think that like, I teach people specific tools to like, here's what you can do. And like, here's how to help, you know, your child through this. But I think it's like digging into sometimes like the deeper stuff, like what is going on here? And like, why are my kids triggering me in the first place? And like, why am I having a hard time with this interaction? And it really all goes back to like our own childhood, like how we were parented. And that just like shows up in ours and Oftentimes there's a lot of like dissonance there. Cause we don't necessarily want to show up in the way that we are. So a lot of it's digging into, I talk about connection-based parenting, but really a lot of it is like just turning inwards. Like what's happening with me, what's happening with my response to this child. Why am I not feeling connected to them? Oftentimes it's like, why am I not feeling connected to myself? Cause connection to ourselves is key to then be able to connect with others too. So I'm excited to talk all, all about all this today. The teen years kind of get a bad, a bad rap. A lot of times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tell us why, like, it's so hard to connect with teens. Do you think? I think there's a lot of different factors. I think one, um, is brain development, hormones, all of that. Like what's like physiologically happening in their brain. Um, when kids are toddlers, they go through a huge amount of development. There's just all this stuff happening in their brain. They're trying to separate themselves from their parent and understand that they're their own person. They're learning what we call mixed emotions, which is the ability to hold more than one emotion at one time. They have all these things happening in their brains. And that whole process just takes a lot of their energy and their effort and their emotional work. Um, it happens again in teenagehood, like every single thing happens again, but it's like almost amplified. So it can be a struggle just because of what's happening in their brains. Um, and then we throw in things like COVID or, um, you know, virtual schooling, or we throw in social media, we throw in screens and tech and how that's affecting our relationships with people and, and the way that we learn. So all of that kind of combined makes this like, you know, melting pot of difficulty for sure. But then I think in general, it's that we give it a bad rap. Like we just expect parenting teens to be hard. And so if we have this, this thought in our brain, that's like, oh, parenting teens is so hard, or it's going to be so harder. It's difficult to connect with my teen. It's not the same as when they were a kid. It's going to be difficult to connect with them. Like we've just decided as a society that like teens are hard. And so we just, we almost like set ourselves up for that. And so I hardly ever call my kids teens. I call them like I don't know, like youth or like young adults or something like that. Because when I think of teen, I think of like rebellious and like frustrating and like hard to get along with. And it already has this like paradigm in my brain about how they are. And I just don't believe that about my kids anymore. And because I don't believe that they are so much less like that. They really live into what we believe about them. So that's been, that's been fascinating to see it. I'm not saying that like everything's always rainbows and daisies, like their rooms are still messy and they still sleep in and they sometimes like talk back or whatever. Like it's not always bliss, but changing what we believe about them 
and changing the energy in that relationship between us and them, um, changes hugely changes their behavior also. So first thing that you suggest is changing our belief about them. I don't, it's just like, whenever I work, whenever I tell somebody what I do, I'm like, oh, I work with teens. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, I love them. I love the teens. Like they're so great. Yeah. We just need to associate them to something else rather than Mm -hmm. like mischief and bad attitudes and and rebelling and, you know, doing everything the opposite of what we want them to do. So I would say number one is to dig up your current beliefs. We can't change anything if we don't know what we're starting with. And so, um, I always tell people to start by writing down the name of their child at the top of a piece of paper, and then just allowing their brain to just like dump out all of the thoughts they have about that kid and about that relationship that they have with that child. And it'll be really fascinating to see what comes out. If you allow yourself to do it with like no judgment, like if you just let it all flow, because even a thought like, um, it's hard to connect with my teens probably feels disconnecting. Right. And then I'm not going to really take action from that space. I'm going to be like, Oh, it's hard to connect with them. And if they're sitting there on their phone, I might not even try to have a conversation with them. Or when they get home from school, I'm just going to go do my own thing and they're going to go do their own thing. And we're going to stay disconnected. And so first of all, would definitely be digging up, like, what are the thoughts that I have about them? And I think of it as like this invisible wall, like I'm on one side and my child's on the other side. And there's this invisible wall of like bricks and each brick is a belief that we have that's causing disconnect. We want to go down this road of like connection because fast forward in future years, when you have a great connection with your child, it actually helps them want to live life in the way that you do. They're more likely to choose the values that you have. Um, they're more likely to want to come back home and spend time with you, um, to get your advice, to want to be like you, all of those things that we actually do want come through connection. So as we're looking at this invisible wall and we're looking at all of these bricks inside of it, we're like looking at each one, like, does this feel like it's driving me towards connection or disconnection with my child? And it doesn't even really matter if it's true. Like maybe one of mine is like, my teenager is so sassy and like, does it matter if she really is? And like, if everybody agrees that she's sassy or not, but like, it's actually, how do I show up in the world with, uh, with me carrying around that belief, right? It's like an outfit. If I'm like putting on the outfit of like, Oh, I can't handle this child. Like, how am I going to show up in that interaction with them? So connection is like, is the key to this, but the prior key to that is uncovering why we're not connecting with them in the first place. Well, as you're talking, I'm like, thinking in my brain, like the different thoughts I have about each kid and the the relationship that I struggle with the most is my kid who I think the thought about her, she's so hard. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, it's not just your thoughts about the child. It's your thoughts about the dynamic of that relationship. So as she's so hard is the dynamic of that relationship. Like that's how I view it between me and her. And if I already view it that way, then she might wake up in the morning and maybe she like had a rough sleep, or maybe she's like, I don't know, like didn't eat yet that morning. And I look at her facial expressions or even what she says or the tone that she says things in. And I'm filtering it through the lens of like, she's so hard. And I'm already going to be frustrated in that um, engagement with her, right? I'm not going to be finding compassion, understanding connection, all those emotions we want to be parenting from aren't accessible to me because of this dynamic that I am holding of this, this thought that I have about this dynamic. Yeah. Which totally makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a coach and I still have thoughts that are not helpful. (laughs) 
We all do. There's some areas. So I tell people it's like, you've been in like this relationship dance. And so you and your child have been dancing the waltz and I make these moves and she makes that moves and she responds this way. And I respond this way. And so the only power we have in changing anybody is to change ourselves. We can't change her. We can't change the moves that she's making, but we can change our moves. And as we start to turn inwards and change what's going on for us, it naturally um, makes sense that they would also change their moves. So they start interacting and reacting in different ways because we started it first. So the powers in any relationship is to changes inside of ourselves. But I think especially in the parent child relationship, because if we can create a strong, safe, secure, connected relationship with that child and attachment with that child, they are more likely to want to be around us and to be like us and to um, do what we want them to do versus this like idea that we have around teens being rebels. So I, well, I love that because it's like in order to, in order to change your teen or your kid, you have to change yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, is not the way we traditionally look at it where we're like, okay, well, I'm going to just change my teen. Cause I want them to do this. I love it. Cause that's not how it works, right? We have to change ourselves first in order to help change our teens. Yeah, exactly. And it's like just turning inwards and just taking kind of an audit to be like, what's going on with me in this relationship? Like, what do I think about my child? What do I think about this dynamic of this relationship and what thoughts, where are my thoughts leading me? Are they leading me to connection or to disconnection? Because connection is always the best way to teach our children and to, um, help them and to support them and to guide them. Like it's just, it just feels so much better than fear and frustration and anger and all of those other emotions. When I'm, when I'm working with parents whose teens have anxiety, uh, the one thing that I tell them is I'm like, your only job is to manage your own anxiety around your child's anxiety, because mm-hmm. the more we get like anxious about our child's anxiety, the more we are supporting the fact that something's wrong with our teen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And in all actuality, anxiety isn't really a problem until, until it is right. Mm-hmm. But there's a normal amount of anxiety that is appropriate in our lives. But if we're like freaking out about the anxiety that our teens having, then they're going to be freaking out too, just because like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. My mom's freaking out. Right. Mm -hmm. So just like managing our own emotions around their emotions too. Okay. That is like the number one thing that I coach on. So, um, we have this misconception that we, can teach our children self-regulation tools, which is what we're kind of talking about right now, like how, how to calm them down and bring them back down from their high energy space. Um, and that that will help them. And it can be somewhat helpful, but the way that we actually teach self-regulation is through what's called co-regulation. So that means an adult that you're connected and attached to, and you feel comfortable with being able to calm themselves down and bring themselves down from that high intense energy and emotion. And over time, it allows our children to do the same. So as children are born, um, they need our help regulating everything, their temperature, their food, their sleep, 
like their emotions, everything. And as they start to age, there's this thing called the graph of co-regulation throughout the lifespan that you can look at, but it kind of shows, um, over time, they start to be able to do it a little bit more and more themselves. So they can kind of manage their emotions a little bit more, but even up until the age of 12 or so, it's like about 50, 50, like we're still, um, co-regulating with them probably even more so than they're able to regulate themselves. And if you have a child that is neurodivergent, they're going to be a few years or maybe several years be, um, behind this also. Um, so it's normal, even as a teenager and even us as adults, if you think about when we're feeling really strong emotions, it's a lot more helpful to have somebody there with us. Who's like hugging us or sitting with us, or just listening to us cry or vent or whatever. We still use co-regulation as adults, but Self-regulation is primarily taught through co-regulation, especially in the primary years, like zero to 12. So if you are feeling like your child is dealing with anxiety, the reason why what Sammy just said works so well is because when you can manage your brain and your thoughts and everything that's happening, then your emotions going to start to calm down a little bit more. And then you will be that calm kind of anchor for your child's emotions. And they can feel like they can calm down also. And I'm not saying it happens like instantaneously, like when my daughter has a crazy meltdown, because my youngest is a girl, she, (laughs) sometimes it can be like a full hour, hour and a half where I'm like helping her through. And I'm like, you know, not even really saying much, but just being there and being present and like taking some deep breaths. So co-regulation is the best. (laughs) That's what I wanted to say. Okay. Awesome. What else, what else can we do to connect better with our teens? So I would say the number one would be like digging up the thoughts that are blocking us from feeling connected. Number two, definitely working on co-regulation, which um, we can't work on unless we've learned emotional regulation ourselves. So that would be like, um, how comfortable am I with big emotions? And I call big emotions, what most people call negative emotions, but it's like any of those heavier emotions. Um, how do I respond to them when somebody else is feeling that way? Or when I'm feeling that way, what are my go-tos? Do I try to just like push it down, resist it, pretend like it's not there you know, go eat or watch Netflix or scroll social media so that I can just like numb out. Or do I actually know how to sit with my feeling, how to process my feeling, how to just be with it, how to bring myself back down from that high energy state. Um, so the more that I can practice that in myself, the more I'll be able to do that for my child, because our brain naturally wants to go to mirroring emotions, which is like uh, whoever has the highest kind of most momentum behind that emotion, the other person wants to go to that also. So if my child's really angry, it's easier for my brain to go to anger also. So it's going to take a lot of intentional work for us to practice that. So I would say not only like focusing on your thoughts, but secondly, let's focus on your emotions too. like gain more awareness around, um, how you feel inside throughout the day and start naming those emotions, start sitting with those feelings, allowing those feelings to be not just like ignoring them or pushing them away or reacting to them because a lot of the times that's what we do. Um, and then number three, I would say would be to uncover what triggers we have and why those are triggers. Um, so what I mean is by a trigger is anytime we're feeling emotionally charged about something. So maybe our teen comes home and does something or says something, or we find something on their phone, or we hear something about them and we feel a really strong emotional charge that is called a trigger. So we're trying to uncover like, why was that event or interaction with my child? So triggering, 
Like, what about it? Like, it wasn't that they just didn't listen to you or that they talked back or that they like slammed the door and walked out of the room. There's something about that behavior that felt really triggering. And that's when we can really uncover like those deeper things that are going on. Like maybe it's a belief of like, my child should respect me and they're not respecting me. And if they're not respecting me, what does that mean about me? Does that mean I'm not a great mom and that I haven't been doing a good job with them? Like we can sometimes have a lot of like a lot of stuff going on underneath. And so lots of triggers, (laughs) lots of triggers. So when we can really start to like, I just like ask why, like, why, what about that was a, a problem? Why, why, why? And like, keep digging down to it myself until I uncover like the root and, um, the roots, usually something from like childhood, some way that my parents interacted with me, or maybe it's something that I read or saw or whatever, but there's some belief that I still have, even if I don't logically believe it, but emotionally I still have, and is causing me to, um, feel triggered about that situation. So just even awareness around that trigger will be really helpful. Um, and then just doing the healing necessary. And that means like loving yourself and compassion for yourself, maybe just spending some time meditating or visualizing or finding a coach or journaling, like all those kind of healing modalities that can be so helpful. But first it's to uncover like what is really going on here. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, so dishes in the sink can be a trigger Mm -hmm. for me or things that my kids say can be a trigger for me. Or one of my triggers is it's, I know the thought it's like, you guys think I'm your maid. This is so disrespectful. Yeah. (laughs) I think that this is so disrespectful is probably the most common thought that I hear from my parents Mm -hmm. is like, because we have this idea that like children shouldn't be disrespectful, like ever. And that it's something they're like intentionally doing, like almost like they're choosing to do it instead of it just being like, oh, maybe they just forgot or like dishes aren't actually that fun. None of us want to go do dishes, right? Like maybe it has nothing to do with me and our relationship. And it's just like them forgetting, like there's so many other stories available, but our brain likes to go to kind of like what it's always gone to. And that like, my child shouldn't disrespect me thing is so deep in our bones because that one we for sure learned from all the generations um, before us. And the thing is when we have that thought of this is disrespectful, the result of that thought is always that we are disrespectful to ourselves or to our kids. So it's always like creating more disrespect. And the way that we teach our children is actually through role modeling behavior. It's not so much what we say or what we try and teach them. It's like who we are. So if I'm teaching them through being disrespectful back to them, because I'm thinking that they're disrespectful, I'm actually teaching them to be disrespectful instead of the opposite. So like uncovering our triggers is kind of the first step to be like, okay, what's going on underneath that. But then also like, what do I actually want to teach them here? Like, what's the behavior that's lacking? What's the skill that's lacking and how can I teach it to them in a much more effective way? Really quick. Do you have some effective ways that you can share with us? Yeah. So I have this tool that I call shame-free parenting. So I I will give it to you really quick, but it's like, number one, like noticing when shame is present in my parenting. So that could be any time of like, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm yelling at them. It could just be in like my tone, like you should know better. Or like, why did you do that? Or like your sister wouldn't have done that or something like that. You know, all those little ways that we can notice that kind of more shaming parenting. So first is just to notice it. 
the second is just to like, pause. I'm just going to pause in that moment. I'm going to take some really deep breaths. Maybe I'm going to actually leave the room, whatever I can do to bring myself down to like presence. And then the third is to ask myself, what behavior or skill am I actually trying to teach here? So is it that I'm trying to teach my child hard work and responsibility, like that we as a family all create dishes. It's not just me and we all need to do it together, right? Like maybe that's what I'm trying to teach my child. And then the fourth one is just to brainstorm. How would I teach it in a more effective way? And so I always like to think of like my best teachers in the past, like anything that I've learned, how did I learn it from them? I typically learned it because I had a great relationship with them because they inspired me because I wanted to, you know, be around them. It wasn't because they like lectured me all day. <laughs> so how can I use those kinds of tools? Um, so for me, when it comes to chores, which is a struggle for everyone, I think a lot of times I try to bring in connection when it comes to chores. So I'm like, let's turn on music and we'll all just like clean the house for 10 minutes or here. Let's all go wash the dishes together after dinner. Um, and as we just like chat and converse about things, but it's less about trying to get them to quote unquote, do the behavior we want and more about how do I teach the skill that's lacking here? Like what is the specific skill and what are ways that I can teach it? And when our brain is in this like more shame-based mode or frustrated mode or whatever, it feels urgent and important. And like, it's something we need to teach them right now, or they might like just be slobs for the rest of their lives. And so that's why that number three step is so important or number two, I guess, is to like take some deep breaths and calm ourselves down because it's actually not that urgent. It doesn't need to be taught like right the second and learning is like a lifetime of things, right? We don't just like learn it all of a sudden, just because we remembered to do the dishes one time doesn't mean we're going to remember the next day. So a lot of it is creating just that patience for like the skill to be developed. Everything you're saying, I'm like, I have so much work to do. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> if we're not intentionally working on parenting, there's like, there's a lot. I mean, this has been a year's situation for me, like years to even uncover what was going on for me. And then I became a certified life coach and I still resisted coaching on parenting because it was still so tender for me. So it took me a while of my own inner healing journey to get to the point where I was like, okay, no, this is actually my calling in life. Like, this is what I need to help people do because I want to say like, to kind of wrap up that I don't feel triggered by my kids pretty much ever, like ever, ever it's bizarre how untriggered I feel by them. And so it's not like I'm trying to like force myself not to yell or force myself to be kind to them. It comes so much more naturally, um, because of doing that work, everything that we've talked about today, like uncovering those thoughts that are creating disconnect, creating intentional thoughts that create connection, doing my own emotional work, being able to be okay with feeling all those big feelings uncovering my triggers, spending some time healing them. Like it's not just like an overnight fix, but, um, doing this work is really, it's life-changing and it's totally possible. If it's possible for me, it's literally possible for anyone. Cause I was like the most reactive mom ever. So you can do it too. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Like such good stuff today. You're, you're awesome. Tell us where the listeners can find you where the parents can, can find you can find me. Yeah. So I have a podcast called the parenting coach podcast with crystal. So go check me out there. I talk all about all of the stuff we've been talking about today and then on Instagram at the parenting.coach. Awesome. Okay. And I'll put all that in the show notes, you guys. So if you 
forget or you you want an easy link, it'll be in the show notes. And thank you, Crystal, so much for being here with us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sammy. Hey guys, do you want more? If you are ready to work with me in one of my coaching programs for teens, check out my website, knowingup.com. That's K-N-O-W-I-N-G-U-P.com. Whatever you are struggling with, whether big or small, I can help. We learn so much more in my programs than what is offered here on the podcast. Come join me, you guys. See you soon.